comes from Genesis 18, verses 20 through 33. Genesis 18, 20 through 33. And this is what the word says. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do this, excuse me, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon to upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, wilt thou lack five of the fifty righteous, wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, thou shalt be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure, there be thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if find thirty there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not me... Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as he had left, communing with Abraham, and Abraham returning unto his place. Lord, we thank you that we're able to gather in your house today and get into your word today. I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that your anointing would be here, that your liberty would be here, and that your will would be accomplished through your word. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can I have somebody say praise the Lord with me? Amen. One of the things that I want to remind you of, we will not be having Sunday night service again because of the New Year's holiday. We're giving our staff a break. We usually give them two Sunday nights and uh, the, the, um, the different way that it fell this year. We only had one off and we're trying to give our staff and volunteers a break for the holidays. We will resume back on Sunday nights next week. So next week we're going back to the, starting Monday everything's going to be back to normal. So remember that as you uh, uh, leave the service this morning. The first thing I'd like to say to you as a congregation this morning is Happy New Year. I pray that you'll have a wonderful year and that God's blessings is going to be upon each and every one of you and your families. And I believe that God's got some great things in store for you as a family. For the last 34 years, I preached what you would call a New Year sermon on the first Sunday of every new year. And no doubt the year 2020 has been a very unusual year. It's been a year that's been full of surprises, both good and both bad. And without going into all the details and talking about the pandemic, I'm tired of hearing about that anyway. It has been a very trying and challenging year for most people. When you go out throughout the body and you take a survey, you find out that 2020 was not really kind to a lot of our people. As a pastor, it has been one busy and one hard year for us here at the church. We've had to change the way that we do pastoring. We've had to do, it's just been an unbelievable year trying to figure everything out, how to operate in it, how to work in it, and how to try to keep an image in it throughout the community. There's been a lot of challenges. There's been a lot of difficulty. A lot of sweat, tears, and prayers have been going up to the Lord to find his direction, to find his mind, to find out what in the world is going on. How many has really believed that 2020 really just didn't make very much sense? And when you think about it, it was supposed to be the year of focus. It was supposed to be the year that we had good vision, and yet everything in the world attacked that which God had spoken. 2020 represents vision. And the enemy tried to distort and try to stop the vision 
provision of God for taking place in the year 2020. Now, my intention this morning was not to preach to you a New Year's sermon. My thought was that God does not change directions or callings or mandates or, or his purpose for his church at the change of every new year. Just because the year changes doesn't mean that God changes. Somebody asked me one time, what's God going to do this year? I said, the same thing he done last year. He was God. He sat up on the throne and he'll do what he wants when he wants and how he wants to do it and how he directs it. The palace of praise has received our mandate. We know who we are. We know what our mission is. We are to expand the kingdom of God that is evangelization. By exalting Jesus Christ that is worship and equipping believers with ministry and purpose and that is discipleship. The three main cores and the strength of the church and what makes it exist is those three things. Every church must evangelize or it will die. Every church must worship because it's the highest calling of the human soul. It is what God deserves. And every church must disciple. It's got to be more than just a, a service time where people connect and experience God. But there's got to be a time when people will sit down and they will study and they will learn and they will be discipled. When then, how do we do these uh, three things? How do we evangelize? How do we worship? How do we disciple? We put our spiritual disciplines into practice. We fast, we pray, we study the word of God, we serve, we give. Those things are essential to every believer. But our church is to call to evangelize. It is called to disciple and it is called to worship. Every year there's a pressure and stress upon church leaders to come up with a new vision or a, you know, kind of a catchy theme or phrase for the new year. Well, say something that will give us direction. Say something that's going to put us into the play. I plan to do that today. The way that you know that you have the right direction for the church, the Holy Spirit told me was, it's when your statement of purpose fits all seasons and circumstances. That you don't have to change your, your statement of purpose because the season change or because circumstances change. Our statement of purpose at the Palace of Praise, it fits the great commission that Jesus laid out in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, when he said, all power is given in me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whichever I've commanded thee, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. No matter what the year brings or whatever this year beholds, our identity is found in our statement of purpose, and we change not around here. The tide may change, but, but that does not mean that we change. We are to be what we are. We are. We will not change who we are to be and what we are called to do. It does not matter what goes on in the world. We know who we are. We know what our mission is, and we got to stay focused on what God has called this church to do. However, as I begin to preach, to try to come up with a sermon and preach to you what the Spirit of the Lord was laying in my heart, He's been stirring in me about a lot of different things, and I got so much crowded in my mind. I'm trying to dissect it. What do I say? When do I say it? When do I put it together? When do I put this sermon? I've got a million different sermon thoughts in my mind. And not realizing it, as the Spirit began to uh, deal with me, he began to personalize this sermon for the new year. And when, when I say personalize, God's began to speak to me, and he said, I want you to know that I want, that uh, th this is what God said to me. God is out to make us identifiable as uh, that we belong to him in the year 2021. God's saying, before this year is over, you're going to be marked that you belong to me. And people are going to know it. They're going to see it. They're going to be see the visible evidence of my mark of my spirit upon each life that, that will surrender themselves to me. Does that not sound good that God is about to make us identifiable that we belong to him? That people are going to see, that they're going to know there's going to be evidence. We're going to leak the evidence of the manifestation of the presence of God at the church. Can I have an amen? The promptings that I have felt, I believe, have been produced by the Holy Spirit to cause us to meet individual requirements for his specific purpose during this coming year. This is a time to focus on the purpose of God, folks. This year is a time to really be in what involved in what God is involved in. It's time to put aside all of our earthly agendas and begin to pursue our spiritual agenda with everything that it is a time to sell out. You know, the churches of America, I heard David Workerson preach a message and I'm almost tempted some day or some night or some Sunday morning just to play that sermon. It is one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard in my life. And he talked about how that uh, 
there was a new religion coming, how that there was a new gospel that was going to be preached. You'd be surprised of what that new gospel is. I, I'm not going to go into that. But one of the things he said is that, that the church of America is going to get to a place that they want to be comfortable and they don't want to be challenged. They're going to get to a place where they will not hear the true gospel of what Jesus said. They're not going to understand the, the living sacrifices, to take up your cross daily and follow him. They're not going to want to hear about making him the Lord of their lives. And he began to talk about that and then he began to reveal what we're seeing happening right here at this very hour in America. And I tell you, it's one of the most powerful sermons and I'll maybe bring that to you here in a few weeks. But God is out to reveal his remnant during the year 2021. Did you hear what I said? That God is out to reveal his remnant in the year 2021. We have always believed and we have decreed and declared that the palace of praise is going to be the remnant church. How, how many of you believe that you're a part of the remnant of God? Do you really, Come on, how many of you believe that? If you believe that, then you ought to be excited about being a part of the remnant. But to be a remnant church, what does that mean? It means to be a small minority. It didn't say that you'd be the majority, that you'd be the small minority of people who will remain faithful to God. It's about remaining steadfast. It's about remaining faithful. It's about being righteous. It's about being holy. It's about being sanctified. It's about being consecrated to the work of the Lord. And you can say, oh, wow, to be a part of the remnant, that's exciting. But yet you're going to have to do that in a time of great darkness because Jesus said that in these last days that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many in the church is going to wax cold. That there's going to be things that will come against the church to try the church, that, that try the church to where a lot of the church will forsake or abandon their position in the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll walk away. They'll draw back. And yet the remnant is going to be the minority that chooses to remain faithful to God. It also means to be a part of the remnant, a people that survives or remains after a series of tests or trial. And as I looked at that, I thought, Lord, has not the church been going through a trial, and especially the last year? As a pastor, I know more, see more and, and about what goes on in the body than anybody else. And I want to tell you, this body has went through hell. We don't always uh, advocate it. We don't always get up and, and and broadcast it. We don't commercialize it. But there's a lot of people that have been through one thing, one thing after another. Tragedy. tragedy. I'm talking about hardships. I'm talking about difficulty. I'm talking about perilous, perilous times. Some of our people have went through some of the things just like old Job did through the, that year 2020. And yet the Bible tells us our, 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 the, to be the part of the remnant, it means to remain after a series of tests and trial. Everybody wants to be a remnant church, a powerful church, a glorious church, but they don't want to have to go through the process in order to be able to qualify to be a part of the remnant. And I want to tell you, to be a part of the remnant means you've, if you begin to become a part, a person that's marked by God with the identity of God, that you belong to him, it's going to be after much trial and test because the test is going to expose who you are. Can I have an amen? Now y'all ain't shouting right now, are you? Because we're living in a, some serious time. We're living in the last days, folks. Can I have an amen? No doubt 2020's been a trying time. But I want to warn you, there is more to come because this thing is not over. There's going to be more challenges in 2021. Everybody's saying, well, what's the year going to hold out? There's going to be some more challenges. You're saying, oh, I was hoping you'd preach some good stuff to me. I'm going to because the challenge is a good thing. The shaking that we have been preaching over the last several years here at the church, me, Randy, Zach, Mike, all of us has been preaching it. The Lord's put the same thing in the mouths of other people throughout the nation about the shaking that's coming. Well, it, not only has it already started a few years ago, but I want to tell you, it started back at 911, a big shaking came, and it's been intensifying year after year year and this year it really intensified well it's not over it is, it is it will continue but it'll only continue for a season you remember what God said in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 starting with verse 26 this is what the Lord spoke to us over and over and over through many many different sermons through many different preachers he said first of all the writer says don't refuse him that speaketh don't refuse the word of the Lord don't refuse what God is saying and what God 
God is speaking. Listen up. Take notice. Hear the word of the Lord. It's what he's saying. He said, if you can't escape him that speaketh to you from the earth, talking about a man, the authority of a man, there's times that you can't escape what authorities say or dictate to you in the land. He said, how much more then can you not escape him that speaks from heaven, which is talking about God? Whether you know it or whether you uh, don't know it, God is speaking. He's speaking in a different way, and if you're not paying attention, you will not see how he is speaking. And not right now, it seems like the rhema words, those words in season, those thunderbolts, those stirring in your spirit. I've heard person after person after person after person. If I've heard it once, it seems like I've heard it a million times. And that is, man, I've been seeking the Lord, but he's just not speaking. It just seems like the heavens are brass. It don't seem like I'm getting anything from God. And yet, when I begin to inquire of God about that, I say, God, there is a, that's kind of the way I feel at a certain time. God said, open your eyes, son, and see the focus of 2020 when I was living in it just here at the end of the year. He said, I'm speaking and I'm speaking loud, but I'm speaking speaking through world events. I'm speaking through a shakening. I'm speaking through the hardship. I'm speaking through the suffering of my people. I'm speaking loud and I'm speaking clear but people don't want me to speak like that. They don't want me to be revealed like that. I want to tell you 2020 revealed more of God than what you and I can ever even imagine and we'll get into that in just a little bit later but he went on and he said his voice has shook the earth once. When did God shake the earth with his voice? He'd done it at the giving of the law on Mount Sinai when he gave the Ten Commandments, the word of God, I'm about to preach. He gave the word of the Lord and when he did, his voice spoke through those Ten Commandments and when he did that, I want to tell you, thunder claps from heaven. Fire fell upon that top of that mountain and when the earth began to shake and rank and an earthquake come and the mountain did rent and the rocks began to fall into pieces at the voice of him who spoke upon top of that mountain. And can I tell he done spoke to earth once and he shook the earth but now he says yet once more I will not only shake the earth but I'm going to shake heaven. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken is what he said in these last days God's not only speaking upon the earth but he's speaking to the heavenlies which represent the spiritual domain the spiritual domain it talks about the place where Satan dwells and can I tell you this is speaking about principalities powers and rulers of the air. I want to tell you what God is beginning to do now. There is a showdown in the last days where God said, I'm not only going to speak to man, but I'm fixing to walk into the very heavenly of heavenlies where the prince and the power of the air has demonstrating his, his governmental rule. And I'm about to shake the heavens. Can I have an amen? God is shaking the worldly systems of the earth. And in order to do that, he has to shake the one who controls those worldly orders, which is the devil, the prince and the power of the air, the God of this world. He's talking about the heavenly realm. And when God begins to shake the cosmos, that word cosmos is the order and arrangement of the world. It's the system in which the world operates in, which is controlled by Satan himself. But God's saying, you've been used to seeing that system in order. And everybody knows that the enemy is controlling and doing this and doing that, deceiving this, stealing this. And, and he's doing everything that he can to rob, to kill, to steal and destroy. And God says, I've had a belly full of it. Just like when he looked down at Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, the stench of that sin come up before me and it was so bad that God says, I have to deal with it. God's saying that about the world in general. Not just America, but the world in general. The stench has come up in the nostrils of God and God's saying, I've had enough. The sin requires me to deal with it. I'm a holy God. I'm a just God. I can't wink at it any longer. I can't allow it to sweep under the rug. My grace is frustrated and I'm going to deal with the world. I'm going to not only deal with man on the earth, but I'm going to deal with the prince and the power of the air who's deceived and connived and lied and who's come down and robbed and stealed and killed. God's saying I've had enough. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah, he says I've got to deal with it. Can I have an amen? When God begins to shake the cosmos, which is the order and the arrangement of the world, the system of the world, the church just finds out then how much that we're tied to that worldly system and how much that we've aligned ourselves to it and not even realized it. When God begins to shake the rug, we're going to find out how much we were attached to that rug. 
Me and you are attached more to the worldly system than what we think. And if you don't believe me, wait till God gets done with this shaking and you're going to find out how much trust you put into the world system. Getting quiet, isn't it? We find out where our allegiance has been and just how much the world has influenced and controlled us without us even realizing it when that shaking takes place. This is where the rubber meets the road. It reveals how much of us is carnal, how much of us is spiritual. It reveals just how much spirituality that we really have and how much worldliness is inside of us. It reveals the level of our faith in the light of the prevailing circumstances because fear will be dominant. Are we going to cave? Are we going to pass the test? Are we going to survive the shakening? Because I want to tell you, everything that is tied to the world will begin to manipulate your emotions through fear and anxiety and worry and fretting. But those things that's tied to the spirit will give you peace and love and joy and long suffering come on and whatever is revealed in us during the shaking is beginning to reveal to us our true colors and who we are God is exposing not only the world but his church oh help me preach right here this is why God's shaking in the church he is removing the things that are shaken the earthly things, the sensual things, the worldly things, the temporal things, so that the things which cannot be shaken, the spiritual things and the eternal things can begin to rise to the surface. You know what God's doing to the church? He's sanctifying it. He's cleansing it by the worsening of the word. God is beginning to deal with his church and he's bringing the church to a place where he can mark her. It says, she's mine. Look, there's the evidence. They've not, they've been shaken, but they remain. Come on. The true church that remains will have the identity and the mark of God upon her. The things that cannot be shaken, the spiritual things are gonna rise to the top while God takes things off of us. It's unpleasant. It's called the circumcision of the heart. Circumcision means cutting. And I want to tell you, it's never pleasant to be circumcised in the flesh. That means God's taking away things that is attached to your fleshly man and you have to die out to them in order that God's purposes might be more important to you and God's priority be more important to you than your priority and your desire and your will. He's removing and stripping us from worldly attachment. Those that remain after the shaking is what we will call the remnant church. Will we survive the shakening? If you survive the shakening, you're going to be a part of the remnant. Another word that is used to describe the remnant, I come across this, and when I did, I just thought, Lord, I don't understand what you're telling me. But he used the word core, and he said, you got to re- you've got to preach on the core. And I said, watch the core. And he said, it's the same thing as the remnant, but the core has a different definition to it. Uh, the word core in the English language means the central are the most important part. How many of you would like to be the central or the most important part? Come on. How many of you want to be important? Amen. It says an important or unchanging group of people forming the central part of a larger body. The larger body is that we have a kind of a large congregation for this area. But in light of the body of Christ, we are not even a percent of the body of Christ around the world. But I want to tell you, we're a part of a larger body. But is the palace of praise going to be one of the most essential parts of that big gathering? Are we just going to be another church? Are we just going to have a title, a name? Are we just going to go through the mechanics? Or are we going to be one of the chosen, one of the core, one of the remnant churches that God can say, right there is my mark. Right there is my evidence of who I am. Right there is the very image of what I want my body to look like, act like, and do on the earth. God is about to do something with us. An important or unchanging group of people, it says, forming the central part of a larger body. Amen. But listen to the biblical definition of the word core. It even goes deeper. The Bible definition of core is the tough say tough. You're not a weakling, you're tough. Amen. Little Jedediah says, Grandpa, Papa Kent's tough. Boy, if he only knew. Amen. I'm his hero. I'm the big guy in the family. And I'm going to keep that image. 
started to walk here this morning with a thing in my hand, thinking it was an, uh, a napkin or a hanky. It was a, it was a pot holder. <laughs> I said, that goes just long fine with me, a pot holder. Hallelujah. But I, I, I'm his hero. But listen to the, the tough. You got to be tough. This thing called Christianity is not for weaklings and it's not for sissies. It's for men and women who will stand up and be what God's called them to be. It's not a time to be weak folk. Can I have an amen? It's the tough central part, the center of various fruits containing the seed. <laughs> Woo, I could preach there for an hour. The part of something that is central to its existence or its character. And when I begin to put that together, this speaks of the part that causes one to exist due to it not being able to be shaken. God is saying, uh, it is speaking of the seed that's inside of us. The word of God which produces fruit on our behalf that reveals our true character at, during the light of extreme hardship. The hardships come and shakes us and shakes us, but it doesn't destroy us. All it does is what? It produces fruit. And the enemy sits back and scratches his head and don't understand. Every little dot that he throws at you, it's not successful. Every little trap he puts in front of you, you are somehow able to get around it. Every time he sets up something to bring you down, it seems to lift you up. Everything that he works against you seems to prosper you. And he sits there scratching his head, said, what in the world's going on? Well, you're being shaken, you're being tested, you're being tried, but he doesn't understand. There's a governing factor in the center of you called the word of God, called the manifestation of the Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And it's by faith you live by him and it produces fruit. And in the midst of all the darkness is coming upon you, the world sets backs and they marvel because it don't take you out. It just produces more fruit of God in your life. It'll reveal our true character. It reveals if we're carnal or if we're spiritual. It reveals whether or not that we are ruled by the kingdom of God or by the kingdom of this world. It reveals whether or not we're revealed by the spirit, the Holy Ghost, or whether we're revealed by the spirit of this age. The unshakable is the core. It's the remnant. This is what God is out to reveal and manifest upon the earth. This is the mark, the evidence, the manifestation of God on earth as his body, the church, to a lost and dying world. Get ready, folks. Because God is going to come down and start marking some people. But the problem of it is, is you think, well, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel a part because everything that I don't feel like much, it ain't about what you feel because the things that you're going through right now is what's making you a part of the remnant. Look at somebody and say, what you're going through, you're, come, you're going out of it in Jesus' name. You're, you're, just, you're just going through for a season. It is what the shaking is what God is producing in us that will either make us or break us, and that's our choice. You're in a making or breaking process right now in the year 2021. The shaking is forming, molding, and making us to become the central part, the core, the remnant, the most important part of the body of Christ. You know what God spoke to me? And He said, The remnant will be the inner circle, like the 12 disciples. They're the ones that's going to be able to put their head over on my breast. They're the ones that's going to sit by the campfires and eat of my loaves and fishes. They're the ones that's going to sit around the inner circle and be able to feast and dwell and live and touch and feel of who I am. They'll have my heartbeat. They'll have my my most uh, my most uh, uh, the, the, my most uh, important attention will be placed upon them. I want to tell you, you can do whatever you want to do in the collapse of this whole world, but when the world begins to crumble, I want to be at the inner circle of God, setting and back in his divine favor. Amen. There's no room for lukewarmness or complacency or mediocrity or compromise. It ain't about a feel-good sermon anymore. It's about being a disciple of Jesus. It's about knowing God intimately and not from a distance, not from a four-off, not through somebody else. Can I have an amen? The days of straddling the fence is over for the body of Christ. It's time for sanctification and consecration for the body. The last day core must realize that they have a supernatural origin. Your beginning was not created by you. It was created by God himself. You have a supernatural origin. 
because it is God that is producing and doing the work in us. It's not us doing it ourselves. And he's doing it to fruit bearing for the greater work for his purpose that is to come. You're, what you're being formed to, to be is not for your own sake, but it's for his sake. Amen? Your life is to be hid in Christ. Everybody has been saying, oh, they're so glad that the year 2020 is over. I heard that. <laughs> I was getting texts, aren't you glad that 2020 is over? Oh, and I seen that and heard that. The majority of people look at 2020 as nothing but a year of difficulty, hardship, trial, affliction, defeat. They just, just say, man, it was a year of just complete turnarounds. It was just from one extreme to another. From one point to another, it was defeat, loss, and all of that. But what we have to realize is there was in 2020, and there still is in 2021, a creative work of God going on that's in the midst of this shakening. How many know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Everything you went through was not of, uh, by coincidence. It was by design and by plan of God. Why curse something God's doing? We've all cursed it. We haven't seen that God was in it. We didn't like what was going on because God was stern or nest. And the more you don't like something, the more you're attached to what that is that he's taken away. It's a revelation of what you're trusting in and what you're holding on to. Hello? Actually, 2020 was crucial to what God is about to birth and reveal in the land today. It was important that we went through what we went through. And I'm not going to get into all of my feelings and my thoughts on that because we don't have time. And that ain't my message this morning. But there's a spirit in the land today that is out to belittle the body of Christ. Listen to me. This spirit is mocking the church right now. Even as I speak, the church is being mocked. It's being ridiculed. It's being laughed at. It's being slandered. It's being persecuted. Old brother Randy West always said uh, that the Lord spoke to him one night and he looked at the, our president and he seen everything our president was going through and he said, man, everybody hates him. The swamp hates him. The Democrats hate him. The, just the liberals hate him. The far right hates him. Hollywood hates him. The sports people hate him. The commentaries hate him. The media hates him. On and on and on. Even some of the Republicans hate him. And he said, man, he don't have a friend anywhere. Everywhere he turns, everybody's against him. And the Lord kind of spoke to Randy and said, and yeah, the very thing that you see your president going through when it's all said and done, that's exactly the indicator of what's going to happen to the church. They're going to be hated by their own they're going to be mocked. They're going to be ridiculed. They're going to be slandered. The last days, what did they say? That is exactly what was going to happen. Brother will turn against brother and, and mother uh, against son and daughter. Come on. It's here. It's upon us right now. We don't like it. We've been preaching it for years. And we talk about we're the last day church and everybody used to holler and jump and scream and dance. Oh, we're a part of the last day. But yet they don't understand what the world system's going to be like in the last days. And now that it's being manifested, we're crying about it. It's right before us. We've been preaching it for years. Why are we surprised that these things are happening? The world is shaking, the heavens are shaking, and everything that can be shaken is shaken. Who would have thought that we could have lost major cities overnight just like that? Come on. I gotta get off of that or I'll be there too long. But the Spirit's mocking the church right now. The Spirit's mocking faith. If you are a person of faith, you are really laughed at and mocked. Because it seems like that everything that we believed has failed or not come true or has yet not manifested itself. The things that we've prayed over, the things we've longed over, the things that we've hungered for, it seems like we've not seen the full, full manifestation of those things as of yet. The spirit of the age is calling us fools. And that, and that we must face reality. You faith people, you gotta face reality. All of this faith stuff and all of this spiritual stuff is nothing but a fabricated, conjured up, unrealistic idea in the minds of a gullible people who will believe anything. That's what they think about you. They don't look at you as a threat. They look at you as ignorant and dumb and stupid. Come on. 
The spirit of the world would have you to believe that Christians is a bunch of shallow, ignorant, and simple people that is easy persuaded that will believe in anything. And they think we've been brainwashed and we're fanatics out here in a la-la land of a spiritual world that doesn't even exist. That's what they think of us. This is nothing to do. Because actually it was a sign of what is to come because this was the exact same prominent spirit that manifested itself during the birth of the early church. Amen? How do I know that? Because in Acts 4 and 12, talk about the early disciples, and in this case, it was John and, and, and Peter. It says, these men be ignorant and unlearned. They're a bunch of dummies. Look at them doing all that stuff. <laughs> they're ignorant. They're simple-minded people. Oh, they're uneducated. There wasn't no one more educated than the Apostle Paul. But that was their thing. They're ignorant. They're unlearned. They're simple. They believe in stuff out there. Woo, they're kooky. And what's so sad about it, some of the body of Christ is accusing us that is holding on to faith as the same way. The devil tried to combat and abort the birth of the early church by removing the church's significance and importance. The same spirit is at work today, and you got to realize because this because why it's happening because there's a greater work. Listen, the way the enemy tried to abort the early church from being formed by bringing in this uh, mentality and this image of the church being simple-minded and ignorant and learned is the same thing he's doing today. Why? Because there is a greater work about to be birthed and he's trying to stop it again. It is a prophetic word when they begin to do it. While I speak, the Spirit is trying to make the body of Christ look non-essential while the things of the world are essential. Hello? Have we not seen that? It's okay to have a gambling place that's full of people because it's essential for the livelihood of people, I guess, but the church, it's non-essential. Keep everything else open, but shut the church down because it's just not essential. And the virus will spread at the church, but it won't spread anywhere else. Riders can ride in the street, but oh, that's, that's essential because they got to have a platform, a voice, and it's essential that you have uh, uh, you, that you have uh, uh, demonstrations going for the welfare of the country. But you can't what have a display of your faith in church because oh, it's non-essential. Am I preaching okay? The real problem lies in the fact that the big part of the body of Christ has believed in the lie. They have put more emphasis on the temporal than they have the eternal. They pamper the flesh, want to protect the flesh, but they don't want to do anything to feed the spirit and actify, and, and, uh, acti actify faith. They don't, want, they don't want to somehow bring faith alive. You know why? Somehow they can go to Branson on vacations, the beach and all of that because the virus don't come in those places. But the very people that do that won't come to church because, oh, we might get the virus. We're quarantining ourselves. They quarantine themselves from everything but the church. Yeah, they go everywhere. You see them on lines at Boggies. Well, the virus ain't on the outdoors. Who in the world told you that? Woo, I'm getting mean now, ain't I? The church itself thinks they're non-essential, that it's not an important place. This ain't a priority. That is it to say everybody that is staying home ain't feeding themselves and watching us online, and there's people that have got that conviction, and I honor that. But there are people that are if they're using it as an excuse. Can I have an Amen. Folks, I don't care how bad things get. The body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ is the most essential thing on planet earth. Whether you know it or not, who we are, what we do is essential to the existence of the earth. We are the most central. We are the most important part. We cannot shut the doors of the church. We're the only part when shaken remains. Everything else falls apart. Hallelujah. Bible scholars, by the, by the definition and meaning of numbers, 
I'm not going to preach this this morning. I don't even think I'll ever preach it. I've studied it and I like it and all of that, but it's just not what God's speaking to me to preach to you about. But they're calling the year 2021 by the meaning of these numbers and everything, the year of the mouth. How many has heard that? The year of the mouth. Well, what does that mean? It means a year of proclamation. It means a year of prophecy. It means a year of preaching. It's a year of a meaning, a year of witnessing. It's a year of testifying. It's the year that God wants us to use our mouth. And don't you think it's odd that we are going into the year 2020 being muzzled because we're having to wear a mask? He's fighting already. This is not by mistake. It's by design and plan by the enemy to silence the church. Come on. How's he trying to silence the church? For number one, by shutting it down. Closing its doors where it can't have worship. Number one, well, that don't work. Number two, he's making it look unessential and insignificant and unimportant to where the church loses its effectiveness and influence among the people in society. What good is it being open if you don't have any influence or any power? And number two, three, it's trying to silence the church by putting a spirit of intimidation upon the believers to make them feel and believe themselves that they're unimportant and insignificant. Can I have an Amen. The spirit of the age is out to try to make us feel like we are a low-class society. It's out to try to make us feel like that we are of a lower rank and our standard of quality doesn't match up to the rest of the world. The spirit of the age wants to take dominance over us and make us feel that we are insignificant, unimportant, and that we need to leave the things of, of the earth and the things of the world to the professionals of life and that what we ha say has no meaning or has no consequences upon the earth. Can I tell you that, that that is the furthest thing from the truth? That's a lie of the enemy. The spirit of the land today insists that you as an individual Christian has no consequence and that you make no difference in your life. It wants you to believe that your existence is not important and that you cannot make a difference. And can I re remind you again that you are a part of the central reason of the existence of the earth itself because it is the meek, it is the righteous that shall inherit the earth. You are the central, the most important part of this earth. You have significance because you are a part of the core. You're the remnant that refuses to change by all of the worldly deception and by all the worldly efforts to try to make you think differently. I'm here to tell you whether the enemy likes it or not, he can shake this old tree of Kent Miller. All he wants to shake it. And when he gets done shaking it, he can shake it even down to its very roots. But when it's all over and the smoke settles, the only thing that he's going to find is some of the fruit fell off it's communicable and the people of the world is eating of the fruit and being transformed but when it settles he's going to look and no matter how hard he shakes the tree is still yet going to remain he ain't going to shut me up he ain't going to muzzle me can I have an amen Everything that the enemy's going to try to do will be to no avail because nothing's going to prosper. No weapon that's formed against us will prosper. And I'm here to tell you no flesh is going to glory in his presence. The very thing that the Spirit is using to take us down is doing nothing but making us better. It's sharpening us. Gold tried in the fire. Amen. Can I remind you today that you have a supernatural origin? You're created by God. And that demands that you do something great with your life. You're tied to greatness, so you got to do something great. Come on, do you believe that? There's no limit to what your individual life can produce. Quit thinking you're a nobody. You're a somebody. Amen? You're a child of destiny. You're a person of purpose. And you're being a Christian gives you a legacy of victory to live up to. Amen? We're not a defeated foe. We are the church triumphant, the body of Christ, the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. We can do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we're even able to ask or think by the power that worketh mightily in us. I wish I could preach here about an hour. Have you ever noticed that when God begins to judge the affairs of mankind, he does something very important. Before he does a work in the land, he does something very strange and very significant. He looks first to see what the people of God are doing. How do I know that? Before the angels in our text were able to enter into Sodom and Gomorrah, they had to visit Abraham first. 
Why? God had a belly full of it. God's done. God looks down at the United States of America and he's so sick into what he sees. Sex trafficking, rape, incest, murder. Come on. Abortion. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on of the vile abominations that's being taken in America. And he looks down and he gets a belly full of it and he starts to move in the land. But before he does, he's got to visit the men of God and the women of God and the church first. He comes to them first. Before, they done any, before these angels done anything to the land, the first, they first inquired of the man of God, a man, because, man by the name of Abraham. Why? Because he made a covenant with Abraham. Why does he have to do it today? Because he's made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ. And notice that the cities were not destroyed simply because of what was there. It wasn't destroyed because of homosexuality, sodomy, and all that was going on in the land. He says, oh, yeah, it was. That's why he visited. Oh, yeah, he visited because of iniquity, but that was not why it was destroyed. The cities were destroyed simply because of what was not there. Not for what was there, but for what was not there. Are you listening to me? If the angels could have just found 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have been spared and if they couldn't find 10 righteous, it would be destroyed. Starts out with 50 and then 45 and then 40 and, and Abraham kept interceding and Abraham kept supplicating. Got down to 10 people and God said, if I can find 10 people, I'll, I'll spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't tell me that your life doesn't have significance. Don't tell me your life is not essential. Don't tell me that your life is not important. Just your presence on earth makes a difference. Can I have an amen? Just your presence has stopped judgment, not only upon the nation, but your children, some of your children, just like my children at different times, judgment was spared for them. Why? Because there was a righteous mom and dad standing in the way. Noah's children escaped judgment. Why? Because Noah was the eighth person on the ark, a preacher of righteousness. Come on, somebody help me preach right here. Don't tell me that the church ain't significant. I'm here to tell all those that's wanting to destroy and kill and murder, you can't do it because there's more than 10 righteous in the United States of America. You can't take her down. You can't take her out. Why? Because the righteous stands in your way. Just your presence hold back, holds back the darkness of forces to take over and become the dominant force. I hate to tell this, but the spirit of Antichrist can't come right now. Everybody says, you're going to have to go through the tribulation. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. No, I'm not. How do I know that? Because if the Antichrist is there, we'll lay hands on him and cast the devil out of him. We have power over him in the name of Jesus Christ. Where are the restraining force? Where's what's standing in the way of all hell coming and taking over? And whether you know it or not, it is the church triumphant, the the beloved church of Philadelphia that stands in the way for the Antichrist to make havoc upon the earth. Give the Lord praise in this place. Hallelujah. It's no wonder that it's Satan's main priority, I should say, to make our existence seem futile. You're no good. You're not important. Everybody walking around with low self-esteem, feel like that they're not making a difference because they don't see any signs and wonders. Don't seek after signs. Just be yourself. Oh. Come here, Gary. Stand right down here for a minute. Hey, I remembered your name today, Gary. The enemy comes along in 2020, starts stumping around on him. I'm enjoying this. Every time he turns around, he puts a foot forward to try to advance, only for him to be pushed back. He tries to lift a hand to do something good, only for it to be smacked. Injustices happen. Hardships happen. No matter what he tries to do, it's fruitful. 
He prays. Heavens are brass. He's wondering what's going on because all this stuff's going. He's being shaken. 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 God, where are you at? God says, I'm right in the midst of your shaking. Come on, stay right there with me just a minute. Here's old Gary going through 2020 with his head down, feeling like he's beat up and he's no good. He has no significance because the enemy's coming in, says everything you've prayed's not come to pass. Everything you've looked for ain't happened. Every dream that you have has not come to come to permission. Everywhere you turn, there's hardship. You're just no good. You're just a nobody. You'll never belong. You'll never succeed. You'll never accomplish. You'll never make it. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Why don't you just give up and quit? Why don't you just... All that stuff going on in his mind during the shakening. Did you hear that? Heaven's calling. And here's old Gary going through all these hardships, not knowing God's just sitting there polishing him. And every fiery dart that hits him, it's bouncing off. You know why I know it's bouncing off? He's still here. He ain't went nowhere. He's still remaining. See, if he wasn't a man of significance, he'd be in the grave. If he wasn't a man of importance, he wouldn't have made it. <laughs> woo And all God's do is getting him ready for a greater work. And the very things he's hoped for and everything that he's dreamed for and everything he's looked forward to is about to come to pass in his life. Because he's went through the season of testing. He's went through the season of trial. And when he gets out on the other side, God says, there's the core. The seed is in the middle of it. He's been fruitful in the midst of darkness. And now because he has, I'm going to mark him as my own. He's going to mark him with the glory of God. He's going to drip him with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And God's going to raise him up to be a light in a dark place. And the enemy's going to look and say, I don't understand. I threw everything that I had at him. I called wimps to come along to help me. Every demon I had to take away from one spot to try to take him out. And the more that I put it on him, the more capable he was of standing. And when I tried to get to the roots, the roots grew deeper and deeper and deeper. And no matter what I did, he survived. Amen. You want to be a part of that end time church? God's decision to spare this nation is going to be based upon finding his church righteous. Righteousness exalts a nation, but a sin is a reproach to any people. Can I have an amen? God is in search. He's seeking. He's looking for a core, a remnant that has survived the shakening to see if he can spare the nation of America. Amen? Folks, he's shaking him. This nation's in trouble. And the only hope is that we find our significance in God. Can I have an amen? The purifying process that's shaking him is doing, that God's doing on his people, it's of a most importance of what we're going through. We don't like it. We despise it. You know, we can't despise the chastening of the Lord. We can't despise the shakening of God. The present sufferings in the, that's working in us is working a form more greater work than what we can ever even imagine. Isn't that what Paul said? Well, listen, I'll close. And I didn't even get a fourth way through this sermon. Romans 8, 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Look at the reward. Look at the reward of what we're going through. The glory shall be revealed in us. That ain't talking about the eternal glory when we get on the other side, even though that's going to be there. It's talking about glory being revealed in us here on the earth. The most important, the most significant, the most essential thing becomes manifested after we are shaken from God. If we think our past has been good, folks, we ain't seen nothing yet. The enemy can shake and shake and shake and shake and shake all he wants, but when he gets done shaking, guess what? The unchanging core remains steadfast and unmovable, and when it remains unsteadfast and unmovable, this is what the rest of the scripture says, and it does the work of the Lord. It is the remnant that is God's greatest work, and it is in the remnant that God is going to do his greatest work on the earth. In Acts 4 and 12, it says that those early disciples were ignorant and unlearned, that's what they said of them. But then in Acts 17, verse 6, when they've done everything they could do to them, imprisoned them, and whipped them, and beat them, and done everything they know to do, 
they finally just shook their hands and said, I don't understand. We've whipped, we've beat, we've scourged, we've put them in prison, we've threatened, we've, we've, we've done everything to these people. And yet it says in Acts 17 and 6, but they turned the world upside down. One minute they're ignorant and unlearned people, and the next minute the same people that said that is looking at them and said, but they turned the world upside down. The very first stage of revival is to establish a core and a remnant. Every city, every state needs a core group that will set themselves aside as a living sacrifice for God. That's what God's calling this church to do, is to be a core, to be a remnant church, to be different than the rest of the churches. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. And let, we're not chasing the latest fads. We're not trying to copy or mimic. I'm telling you, God wants to do a specific work right here in the Palace of Praise to make us be different. If I keep going on my notes, look at, look at yourself and say, I'm significant. I'm important. I'm a central part. I'm a part of the inner core. Come on. I'm a part of the inner circle. I have access to God. I have favor. <laughs> Woo! And here we are. In the midst of all this shaking, it's not near as important of what the enemy is doing. We need to quit worrying about what the enemy is doing and we need to be looking at what we are doing and correct what we're doing. It don't matter what they're doing. You're saying, we gripe about everything that they're doing. Well, we are the answer. Quit looking at what everything that everybody else is doing and start looking about what, what are we doing as a part of the body of Christ? Are we the body that Christ wants us to be? Are we marked? Do we have an identity that there's an anointing on us? Does his spirit bear his witness with our spirit that we are the children of God? When we walk in a room, do we bring light to darkness or do we just kind of blend in? When we're on the job, are we a witness are we a living testimony? Are we an epistle read of all men? Are we a laughing stock of the community? Come on, somebody help me preach. And God is saying, when I get done with my true church, signs and wonders are gonna be coming back in the year 2021. I don't know when and I don't know how, but when God, if we'll obey God, John, when this church gets done through the shakening process and we become what God wants us to become and we're not worried about what every other church looks like and what other identity everybody else has got, we got a mandate. We got to get focused on that mandate. We got to get a focus on that purpose. We got to start fulfilling the will of God. and We got to quit complaining about what all the world is doing and start focusing upon what he's doing through us. And we got to come become the anointed of God. We got to step out in faith and start with our mouths proclaiming and declaring the things of the Lord, speaking the things of the Lord. We got to start testifying of the things of the Lord. We got to preach the word of God. We got to have the word of God to seed in us to where we can declare, this saith the word of the Lord. And we got to have courage and the bold and boldness in the face of adversity to stand tall and say, shake, beat, whatever you want to do. But you're not shutting me up. You're not muzzling me. You can make me feel like an idiot if you want to, but I'm not an idiot. I am a chosen vessel of God. I'm ordained of God. I am the, I'm the apple of his eye. There's nothing you can do to push me back. You can do all that you want to do. But until God's done with me, I'm going to stand here, shake me if you please. But I'm going to bear fruit and I'm going to be a living testimony and a mark of identity of who God is on the earth through his body, the church of Jesus Christ. Is that all right, Brother Lemons? Do you agree with me? Woo! Praise the name of the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Who will dare be a part of the remnant? Who will be a, dare be a part of the core? Who wants to be a part of the inner circle where they sit and bask with Jesus? Who wants to be the first chosen, the 12, to be sent out? Who wants to follow up and be a part of the 70? Who wants to follow up after that and be a part of the 120? The more you lag, the more you end up in the latter part of the work. 
12 turned into 70, 70 turned into 120, 120 turned into 3,000, 3,000 turned into 5,000 more, 5,000 turned into the church being added to daily. The, the, then it turned in from the addition to multiplication. And the saints were multiplied. That's what God wants. God's wanting to anoint this place. And the enemy is taking the things that you're going through. You have not felt the presence of God. And you've not experienced him. You've prayed and nothing's happened. You've fasted. Nothing changed. I've studied more than I've ever studied. I've prayed more than I've ever prayed. I've fasted. I've given more to the church than I've ever given. And yet nothing. Oh yeah, there's more going on than what you think. It's the absence of God that's got your attention. Or what you think's the absence. But he had done promised he'd never leave nor forsake you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's not left you. And when God gets done through this process, you're going to come out as precious gold tried in the fire. And you're going to have a mark of identity and you're going to have an anointing a supernatural encounter on your life that for forever be a living testimony to the lost world that you belong to God and there'll be evidences through signs and wonders and miracles by you laying hands on people and seeing the miraculous take place. I don't know, you ought to be excited. I want everybody that wants to be a part of the inner circle, the core of the remnant, Make your way up front, please.